Blog Talk Radio. There's an important principle at stake here. Higher education should be about investing in students, not about making a profit for the government or boosting revenues for rich guys. And that brings us back to Donald Trump. (laughs) Ah, Trump University, which his own employees explained was just a big lie and a fraudulent scheme. Now, rather than investing in high-quality instructors and counselors to teach classes, Donald Trump put together an army of salespeople to sell, sell, sell those classes. It was like a used car dealership, except that's not fair to use car dealerships. (laughs) Trump salespeople, but listen to what he did. Trump salespeople would focus on how much money someone could come up with then push these prospective students to max out all their credit cards to fork over thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars to Donald. His playbook said, look for people with problems because they make good targets. Trump even encouraged his sales force to go after elderly people who are just trying to create a little financial security. Now, Trump University failed and That's no surprise. Think about all the other Trump failures. Trump casinos, Trump airlines, Trump steaks, Trump magazines, Trump vodka, Trump mortgage, Trump games, Trump travel, Trump ice, Trump network. Donald Trump is a proven businessman, a proven failure. More thought on uh, Donald Trump. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, you're morally reprehensible, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Alpha Show. Here at TruthWorks Network, where the truth must be spoken more than the um, we have a myriad of topics. It just, it's a, it's a target-rich environment. Let me say that. And um, it's proven itself to be everything that we feared and everything that we will come to regret. Come to regret it, I guarantee it. As this man gains the American people and facilitates Russian values and the Russian agenda. The lies aren't enough. The treason. The, the, the flat out and out treason should be enough to convince anyone. Innocent people don't behave like this. People with nothing to hide don't do everything to hide everything. So when you get right down to it, you can call and think about this. The whole first year, how many Democrats did you see come to the floor or to a microphone and say the word treason? 
How many said the word treason? Well, in the last few months, you've had about five Republicans accused Democrats. Treason. Despite the definition of it, definition be damned. They didn't stand up and applaud for me. That's treason. Well, no, sir, that's projection. You are simply projecting. Admit nothing, deny everything, and accuse everyone of what you're guilty of. I rise today to make it clear that treason is not a laughing matter. It is a serious crime embedded in the Constitution, punishable by death. But since your commander-in-chief chose to raise it at a political rally, let's have a discussion about treason. Is it treason for a presidential campaign to meet with a hostile foreign power to sell out our democracy and rig the election? Is it treason for a presidential campaign to meet with Russian spies who promised nation that was negative about a political opponent and then failed to report that meeting? to law enforcement officials? Is it treason for your former national security advisor to be a Russian asset sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin? How dare you lecture us about treason? This is not a dictatorship, it's a democracy, and we do not have to stand for a reality show host masquerading as president of the United States of America. Gentlemen's time has expired. Quickly, they wanted to get um, Hakeem Jeffries off the floor because truth is not tolerated. When you take a step back, this is not just treason out of the norm. You can't call it sedition. You can only call it truth. If history is a real history, and I don't count on that at all, and uh, <laughs> you can't believe by any stretch of the imagination the lie. The absolute lie. Now they're telling me I have no audio. Just damn. Just damn. Okay, do I have audio now? Do I have audio now? Somebody tell me. No audio yet? No audio yet. Our unity will keep us from having to fire a shot. But if we are not united, the only way we're going to get what belongs to us is to make up our minds either to live to get it or die trying to get it. And when you are willing and not afraid anymore to pay the price for freedom, 
Don't let this white man tell you that violence is wrong. Every damn thing that he got, he got it by being violent, killing people, raping and robbing and murdering. He's doing it as we speak. And then he has the nerve to come and tell us that violence and hatred won't get it. Don't buy that. He's worthy to be hated. Worthy because of the evil that he does. God hates. I don't know why man thinks you're better than God when God in the Bible said he loved Jacob but he hated Esau. In the Bible he said no man can serve two masters. He'll love one and hate the other. They have made us little sheep that they can walk over and run over. But when we decide it's over, and we should make that decision, it's over. We're not taking it anymore, and we cannot pass on to another generation the legacy of our cowardice when we know the problem and won't move to erase the problem. That's our fault. we got to change. Well, now, how about now? Do I have, do you have audio now? This is going to be a problem. (laughs) Oh, I feel an attack coming. This is going to be a problem. Do you have audio now? Can you hear me now? Okay. The ridiculousness of this entire presidency, this offhand BS that you hear from the Republicans in power. is simply antithetical to what we have been told, what have we been taught by our captors, by our oppressors. Now it goes against the grain. So can we absolutely qualify them as just just flat out liars. Let's try it. Let's try it the way it should be tried. Let's look upon it the way it should be feared. These people are liars. Listen to me. Because I really don't care no more about what anybody thinks. Because if we're going to go down this road and make a covenant, we can't make another covenant with death. You said, Tavis, what is that word about promise? What the, Barbara Jordan, what the American people want is simple. They want an America as good as its promise. Well, America is no good at all. If you have made a promise that you don't keep, what are you? You are a liar. 
Did they promise the Native Americans? Did they write it in treaties? Did they fulfill it? Did they promise us 40 acres and a mule? Did they fulfill it? Brown versus the Board of Education. 50 years later, where's the promise? Is it fulfilled or are we still in segregated schools? The right to vote, you got it? But the minute they gave it to you, they were finding ways to take it back from you. Can't you open your eyes and see the house is burning? We are dying every day, and we're in a hell of a condition because we've made a covenant with a government that is death itself, with a people that have lied to us, deceived us, and murdered us, and rubs us good on one side and kicks us in the behind on the other. You are a deceived people. If you don't have the testicular fortitude, to say what needs to be said, then sit down and stop trying to say you speak for our people and the hurt of the poor. Now I close. Excuse me. I applaud this covenant. But it demonstrates our impotence. Because in many of the chapters, it keeps going back to not only what we do, but really, we start looking to the same liar that has continued to promise, but never fulfilled. And that's why God said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive your sins and heal your land. So don't look to them, look to God, look to yourself. Break your covenant with hell and death and make a covenant with black America and let's help implement a road map that will free us and the whites that will be freed can be freed by this. The Mexicans, the Hispanics can be freed by this road map. We are a universal people. But those at the top, they're on their way to hell. And if I got any power, I want to push them into hell as fast as I can. The Honorable Louis Farrakhan. Um, if that's not a mouthful, if that's not a mindful, then you're turned off like a light switch. There's nothing, there's no caveat you can add to that. It's the truth. And yet we continue to meander down this road. This is not about complete autonomy for people of color. For we are in the land of bigotry and hatred. We dwell amongst those who see us as second-class citizens. When we look, the only way is up. 
because we seem to be settling to the bottom, concentrated drink. Pull yourself together and simply try not to Try not to panic. I see this is turning into a problem. (laughs) But I will soldier on because I simply have no will to stop. I don't want to stop. You want the truth? Ellis Doyle is a disgusting piece of trash. A relic. A man like many other white men who have had a free run at prosperity and opportunity. For whom discrimination and injustice are as foreign to them as the Muslim immigrants that they want to ban from our country. And now that they don't have a free run, they're lashing out. To be honest, I can't believe it took him explicitly expressing his racism for you all to start asking these damn questions. He ends every speech with, dare to be great again. Huh? What? Should we return to slavery? Jim Crow? In today's America, my paid friends can get married. In today's America, I can vote. Fifty years ago in Hollis Doyle's lifetime, that wasn't the case. In today's America, my parents don't have to recruit a white couple who worked alongside them in the cereal plant to apply for a mortgage because banks wouldn't lend to folks with brown skin. In today's America, we have the Brandon Bill, which means I may not have to tell my future son that he could be murdered by law enforcement just for asking why he was pulled over. Black lives do matter because young black people are under attack. Immigrants, too. The fact that Doyle insists on saying all lives matter when talking about this movement really pisses me off. It's like walking up into someone else's funeral and screaming, Why? Are you not crying for my daddy? He's dead too. Well, yes, he is. And that is sad. But that is not the topic of the conversation. Go stand over there and let the adults talk. Hollis Doyle is a thug. A punk. And the people who support him are thugs or punks. Or they condone his behavior. They're not Americans. The idea that this country belongs to one kind of person is the least American idea that anyone has ever had. In fact, it is the opposite of the ideals of this nation. Nothing needs to be restored. Nothing needs to be made great again. We are a better nation than we were 20 years ago, than we were 50 years ago, than we were 100 years ago. Then we were at our founding. That is the point of America. We are a country where we are always greater than our past. I am proud to live in a nation where a black man has a legitimate shot at the White House. That's American greatness. Kind of gives you food for thought. It kind of stirs the feeling that we as a people may not belong here. If we listen to them, we should stay in our place. We should belong here only as trinkets, as ornaments. just to be seen. We don't belong here because of their eyes. 
they are superior. In their eyes, we are still three-fifths of a person. Do we belong here? I know that brother's name is Vincent. <laughs> and it was quite a striking song because um, he belted it out. I mean, he really did a great job. Look, I'm having a an issue. <laughs> I'm having an issue with um, some of my respiratory problem here, but uh, it's not gone to critical mass yet, so I'll continue to go as as long as I can. Um, Yes, it might have uh, more than normal, way more than normal clips to be played, but these clips are apropos. Let's just call them apropos for what we are facing. We may not belong here because what we are facing are fools, bigots, and the new lifeline to neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And the mere fact that 
they don't see it, and they never will see it. They need comedians pointed out to them because comedians say it in a very raw, rash dialogue. And finally, new rule, Trump fans have to admit that of all the lies he vomits on a daily basis, the one, the one that makes you look the dumbest is this. On day one, we will begin working on an impenetrable, physical, tall, powerful, beautiful southern border wall. You can believe anything else, but give me this one. Just admit you got conned when you actually thought that Blob the Builder was going... <laughs> ...was going to erect the eighth wonder of the world for free, and Mexico would pick up the check. If you don't want to say it out loud, you can mow it into the corn. <laughs> Come on, man. We've all been there. You bought weed in the park, and when you got home, it was pine needles and oregano. <laughs> Even General Kelly had to admit a couple of weeks ago that Trump's idea of the wall was uninformed and had evolved. Ooh, that pissed Trump off. He quickly lie-tweeted, the wall is the wall. It has never changed or evolved from the first day I conceived of it. Yes, conceived. He's the Leonardo da Vinci of walls. His drawings of walls and his notebooks were years ahead of their time. And don't ever confuse it with a fence. Oh, during the campaign, Trump tweeted to Jeb Bush, It's not a fence, Jeb. It's a wall. There's a big difference. Except now it's a fence. Problem is, Trump fans don't want a fence or a river or a virtual barrier. They want a fucking wall. Because a wall represents an impregnable barrier that keeps out not just Mexicans, but everything that makes them feel antsy about the old America that's slipping away. The wall, it's like one of those prescription drugs that blocks the causes of your discomfort. Yes, now there's Mexigon. Mexigon. Mexigon has been clinically proven to reduce the pain caused by foreigners entering the country illegally. Mexigon works with your natural gullibility to construct a wall that keeps immigrants from shithole countries out and good paying jobs in so you can get back to cleaning your guns and sending out Facebook memes of Hillary getting hit with a golf ball. Except it doesn't work that way. Most illegals don't even cross the border. They come here the same way you came back from Cabo. They catch a flight, and then they just stay. <laughs> like that Australian on your couch. Even Trump admitted the wall was bogus when he was caught on tape in a call to Mexico's president saying the wall is the la least important thing we are talking about. It was always just an applause line that got out of hand. 
So there you have it. The wall will not help with employment. It's not feasible to build. And even Trump knows it's bullshit. And if all that isn't enough to deter you, let me add this, Trumpsters. You don't need it. Because everything that wall represents, the bigotry, the racism, the ignorance, the paranoia, is already in your heart. Yes, the wall has been inside you the whole time. <laughs> Trump just brought it out because he's the jackass whisperer. <laughs> but you don't need it. Every time you vote for a child molester because the other choice is a Democrat, the wall is there. Every time you feel rage because a voice recording says, for Spanish, press 2, the wall is there. It's there whenever you begin a Facebook post with, I'm not a racist, but... And it's there every time a unisex bathroom makes you hold it till you get home. It's there when snow makes you deny global warming. And it's there at the ball game when two gays on the kiss can make you throw up in your mouth. Every time you use air quotes when you say the word college, the wall is there. It's there when you use Jew as a verb. And it's there every time you're Tucker Carlson. So you don't need a wall. Because, you see, even without it, you're still the grumpy asshole who ruins Thanksgiving. All right, that's our show. I want to... <laughs> that's Bill Maher. And comedians simply, through humor, tell it like it is. And that's how it is. That's how it is in this country. That's how it is in this White House. Take it for what it's worth. Believe it or don't believe it. Of course, Democrats have serious problems. I don't agree with a lot of things that Democrats do. But this strikes right back, right back to the heart what I've always said. The lesser of two evils is still evil. But when has this country been anything other than evil? When has this country kept any of its promises? When has this country not meddled in elections? When has this country not fallen victim to a grifting carnival barking huckster and made him president and it wasn't so much they heard his message it was more so the voter suppression of cross check it was the Russian interference and the collusion with the Russian government all they'll say there's no collusion no collusion Everything that we are finding out 
points to conspiracy against America, conspiracy against our democracy, treason. Now, treason has a different definition. Wartime and aiding and giving comfort, aiding and abetting and giving comfort to the enemy. And this is not wartime. This is cold wartime. And like I said, in the past year, not one Democrat has come out to say and yell and go in front of a camera and, and accuse this president of treason. But that's exactly what he is. He's guilty of treason. When I speak to you about treason, I speak to you about treason because I understand a long tradition, Republican treason, the Republican treasonous tradition. And that's what you must understand about the entire thing. It just didn't start with this president. This goes way back. This goes so far back that you can almost scratch your head and say, did this really happen when it's on tape? Trump Trump has got this strategy uh, for blowing up the, the DNC. And in fact, he bragged about it yesterday. He bragged about how you know, every day he's been able to disrupt the news cycle for the Democrats. They say I'm not supposed to, to campaign while while they're having their their convention, but here I am campaigning, campaigning, right? Um, I, I it's like the guy can't start a sentence without I. Um, so listening to this yesterday, as Donald Trump asked a foreign government. Uh, you know whether it was Russia or China or North Korea or or Germany or France. I don't care which government it is. A candidate for one of the two major parties in the United States of America called on a foreign government to hack the computers of the Secretary of State of the United States of America. Now, Steve Israel, who uh, used to run the DCCC, uh, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, I'm not sure if he still does, but I think he does. But uh, a congressman, Democratic congressman from New York, Steve, Steve Israel had, this is clip number nine, had this to say about Trump. Well, that borders on treason. I mean, it, I never before have I heard of or seen a candidate, not just for president, but for anything, invite a foreign spy agency to hack America's computers. There you go. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are shocked by this. I would like to uh, point out, and the Democrats are, are, are way too... Oh, what's the word? Thoughtful, considerate, care about the future of our nation, um, gentlemen and women, uh, whatever, to point out what I'm about to point out. But I'm telling you, if this had happened on the other side, if a Democrat had said this, and if a Democrat had the skeletons in their closet, if the Democratic Party had its skeletons in their closet that I'm about to share with you about the Republicans then the wrath of God would have come down on Donald Trump yesterday. 
So what am I talking about here? What Donald Trump did by calling for a foreign government to hack the computers of the State Department, basically, and, and Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State. What he, what he did was arguably treason. And, uh, you know, the, there's a long history in the United States of our being very upset about that. I mentioned yesterday the XYZ affair, and, and, you know, maybe you've had an opportunity to Google it or look it up or read about it. It's actually a chapter about it in my book, uh, What Would Jefferson Do? At least there was when I wrote it. I don't know if it made it into the final book, but I remember writing the chapter. I remember reading the whole thing. It was fascinating, Jefferson's papers, where, you know, back in the, back in the, the late 1700s, they thought that, and, that the country of France was trying to mess with our elections. And uh, it just infuriated the founding generation, infuriated. But this is not new. Treason by a Republican presidential nominee is not new. Back, it started with Nixon, as far as we know. I mean, it might go back way before that, but I, I have a hard time believing that Dwight Eisenhower committed treason to become president. Or for that matter, even you know, Harding and, and uh, Coolidge and, and, and Hoover in the 1920s. I doubt that they committed treason. I think they just ran their campaigns and they got elected. But in 1968, Lyndon Johnson had negotiated peace in Vietnam, successfully negotiated peace in Vietnam, and Nixon learned about it. And the CIA was wiretapping the South Vietnamese, and they came to Lyndon Johnson and they said, Richard Nixon's people are talking via Anna Chenault, the, the representative of the president of South Vietnam, um, Richard Nixon's people are talking to the South Vietnamese and telling them, don't go with the peace deal. And Lyndon Johnson called up his, and this was just released a couple of years ago by the Lyndon Johnson Library, and no, no Democrats pointed it out, which astonishes me. I've been pointing it out over and over on this show. Lyndon Johnson called up Everett Dirksen. Those of you old enough to remember, Everett Dirksen was an honorable man. He, he, he was one of the last of that generation of honorable Republicans. He was the Senate majority leader. He, he ran the Senate, a job that Lyndon Johnson used to have. And he called up Everett Dirksen, and this was the conversation they had. Here's the latest, latest uh, information we got. The agent says that uh, she's just, they just talked to the boss in New Mexico. And that he says that you must hold out. Just hold on until after the election. We know what Chew is saying to them out there. Yeah. We're pretty well informed on both ends. Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they oughtn't to be doing this. This is treason. I know. And they oughtn't to be doing this, Everett. This is treason. I know. And then there was a whole series of conversations, and you can find them over at the Johnson Library. So, L so, so Richard Nixon committed treason in 1968 by involving a foreign government to blow up the efforts of a sitting president to bring peace to Vietnam. And had that peace happened, it would have saved some 20,000 American lives and probably a million Vietnamese lives, not to mention Cambodians and Laotians. The second one was Ronald Reagan in 1980. When the hostages were taken in Iran, Abdul Hassan Bani Sadr ran for president of Iran in the summer of 1980 and, and won. 
on a platform, as he said, as he wrote for the Christian Science Monitor, he said, I won the election with over 76% of the vote. Uh, he said, I openly opposed the hostage taking throughout the election campaign. He says, I was deposed in June 1981 as a result of a coup against me. After arriving in France, I told a BBC reporter that I left Iran to expose the symbiotic relationship between Khomeiniism and Reaganism. I told a Khomeini and Ronald Reagan had organized a clandestine negotiation, later known as the October Surprise, which prevented the attempts by myself and then President uh, Jimmy Carter to free the hostages before the U.S. 1980 election took place. The fact that they were not released tipped the results of the election in favor of Reagan. Two of my advisors, Hassan Nawab Sabivi and Sadr al-Hafazi, were executed by Khomeini's regime because they had become aware of the secret relationship between Khomeini, his son Ahmed, the Islamic Republican Party, and the Reagan administration. And this became what we refer to as Iran-Contra. We, by October, before the election, the month before the election, we were transshipping via Israel spare, spare aircraft parts, specifically tires, to Iran. And for the next three or four years, we were selling illegally, under the table, illegally, in violation of sanctions, the Reagan administration was selling weapons to Iran in exchange for them holding the hostages until the minute that Reagan put his hand in the Bible. So what Donald Trump is doing in committing treason, using a foreign government to manipulate a U.S. election, is part of a proud Republican tradition. You see, good people, treason is not out of the norm for Republicans. They take by any means necessary to a new low. America be damned. Our power is what we want. The power to rule, the power to enable corporations to flourish without regulations, the power of corporations to pollute, destroy the water, the air, the power to create earthquakes that fracking has been responsible for, so many earthquakes. All you do is add a little treason. America be damned. So when I tell you America hasn't been great or has been nothing but evil, my narrative, the history of bigotry, hatred, treason supports my narrative in full. Now, the sound machine that is effectively and only effectively nullifying the findings of the Mueller investigation. I guarantee, unless Democrats take back the House, the Senate, don't just, you know, there is, there is history for good obstruction, and there's history for bad obstruction. Barack Obama, bad obstruction. They simply 
didn't want this man, America, back on a positive footing, a right path. They failed because he could have done more, but he did what he could. His softness, let me put it like that. His softness is what allowed them to obstruct as much as they did. All of the things Donald Trump seized upon is what Nancy Pelosi passed in the House. The lack of articulation brings about a question to the Democratic Party. And the question is, is it time for a purge? Is it time for a purge of people like Schumer? People like Durbin? People like all of these Dinos who still hold a soft side for banking? Elizabeth Warren is scoriated equal facts for their profiteering off of the their failure their failure to secure the information of millions of Americans they allowed that information to be hacked then they turned around to sell you insurance to check your credit scores, to check your identity, to make millions more. I submit to everyone, it's the bankers, it's the Republicans, it's the corporations, it's the very reason America is stagnant and moving forward. Instead of fossil fuels, we should be on renewables. Renewables have been growing leaps and bounds, providing thousands of jobs until this president has come along and offered a tariff. You see, once America stopped making solar panels and the Chinese started, this president decided he was going to put a huge tariff on the solar panels coming in. You make it more expensive, you slow down the implementation of renewable energy. Wind turbines, solar panels should have been the one and only rule in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, the entire island. And you can chalk that a lot of that up to the kissing governor of Puerto Rico. He's a Republican. And now that Donald Trump has used and thrown him under the bus like a used condom, he's unhappy. 
that 30% of the island is still without power. That millions of dollars have been wasted on some fringe groupie of this administration who had two employees when the hurricane hit and got a $300 million contract to hook up the island with electricity. The selling of a presidency. The cronyism of the people in office. None of them have standing. None of the people in office right now has credibility, has a leg to stand on. And guess who else does not have a leg to stand on? That's right, that's right. Somebody got it right. I heard it back. <laughs> I heard it back there. It's those so called damn evangelical Christians. And I was pleasantly surprised and smiled from ear to ear when I heard Frank Schaefer come on and simply blow up, literally blow up the evangelicals that have failed. Did I get all of this clip? It only says 36 seconds. I don't know. Let's see. Oh, but did we catch them in the act or what? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, did we catch them in the act? No, that's They are not very it. embarrassed. That's not, they... that's not it. That's that clown Donald Trump trying to project uh, a singular lie. And this lie has a great deal to do with what the evangelicals have been marching up and down, screaming about. It's their religion. We want uh, our right to our religion. Our religious rights have been violated. And they continue to march up and down the same way. And yet each and every time you see them or hear them, they have absolutely nothing that sounds like it come, It would come or should come from a Christian. Their Christian beliefs are simply that poor. Their Christian beliefs are simply the opposite. They've been pushed into pushed around to believing that they can tie their Christian beliefs somehow to something that simply doesn't work. Not only does it not work, but it should be embarrassing. It should be totally embarrassing.
And I got to tell you, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't want to, I'll never lie to you and tell you that I understand what Christians, Christians mean or what Christians want to, want you to think they mean. All I can tell you is you have to literally listen to the bovine. And I call it bovine, equine, and canine. That's bullshit, horseshit, and dog shit that you hear Christians speak about. You've heard that Showtime clip. He's not a Christian. They're not Christians. They're hypocrites. And the fabulous. <laughs> and I'll use that term again. Fabulous. Joy Reed. Put them on blast. And I thought I got it, but I didn't. So here you go. Top story: Donald Trump is doubling down on his defense of the White House aides, aides who resigned this week amid allegations of abuse. Just moments ago, Trump tweeted, "People's lives are being shattered and destroyed by a mere allegation. Some are true and some are false. Some are old and some are new. There is no recovery for someone falsely accused. Life and career are gone. Is there no such thing any longer as due process?" Joining me now to discuss our religious freedom activist Frank Schaefer, author of *Letter to Lucy: A Manifesto of Creative Redemption in the Age of Trump*. Fascism and lies, and back with me, Masha Gessen and Karine Jean-Pierre. Uh, Frank, I'll get your reaction. We already saw Donald Trump's defense of Roy Moore, uh, saying he denied it. So, therefore, you know, there we go. Um, he said Steve Wynn, who's been multiply accused of abuse, uh, of sexual um, harassment, denied it. So, we have to give him a chance. What do you make of the fact that he's now doubling down on his support for his former aide, Rob Porter? Well, you know, it, it's weird this happens in the very week that he was at a prayer breakfast with a bunch of evangelicals. And I just want to remind people that the idea of justice and love and compassion rests in this Christian idea of metanoia, which means change of mind and repentance. And to repent, you have to admit what you have done and take the consequences and change your life. And since Trump has never admitted that he is a serial abuser of women, who, by the way, could not get a security clearance from the FBI if he was hired as a dishwasher in the White House because of his public proclamations and bragging on abuse and brutality toward women. A point to note, by the way. Of course he's going to double down, because if he doesn't, he's pointing the finger right at himself. And since he is unwilling to repent, he is unwilling to change, he is unwilling to tell the truth, and he is surrounded by sycophant, lickspittle Republicans from Sarah Huckabee on down who have made a profession now of defending the indefensible, as if there were people in the White House defending these coaches who abused women in a serial molestation. That's where we're at. That's who the president is. So, of course, he will double down. And, and you know, Frank, it, it's interesting. People are on, on social media are, are comparing this to when he said there were good people on both sides in the Charlottesville um, riots that resulted in the death of a young woman. I go back and you think about the fact that Donald Trump has bragged about walking in on teenage girls while they were naked and said he can do it because he owns the pageant. This is somebody who bragged about grabbing women by their genitalia. He supported Roger Ailes 
uh, who was multiply accused of sexual harassment, uh, on their side with, of course, Bill O'Reilly, accused of the same thing. He keeps wanting to give the benefit of the doubt uh, to men who are accused of abuse. The Roy Moore allegations involved children. Um, how is it that this person is still considered? There are uh, evangelicals who are saying God made him president. Uh, there was a piece in Politico that talked about that. How is it that there is no separation from these kinds of men and the evangelical community? And keeping in mind that, you know, Ralph Porter is a Mormon. He is not an evangelical on that end of the evangelical spectrum. But these are men who are being touted as religious men. Yeah, I mean, you know, Joy, I, I know you've described yourself as a church girl sometimes, and you know my father was a famous evangelist. And, you know, I've written about this in Letter to Lucy in terms of my own journey away from this right-wing tradition toward a tradition of beauty and acceptance. But I just want to point something out. Speaking as someone who knows something about Christianity, if you take the God of the Bible seriously, if God had wanted to send a test to American evangelicals, especially the white evangelical supporters of Trump, that would test their faithfulness, nothing could have shown them up to have failed more than this lust for power that goes along with anything. Trump, the molester, and the person now who attacks our security agencies. And by the way, speaking as a proud father of a U.S. Marine, that doesn't sit well with me. Porter, an abuser of women. Kelly, someone who has become a serial liar and shown himself in many cases to be a racist in the way he's talked about a black woman uh, who's in government. Roy Moore, a pedophile who these same evangelicals swung behind this is just too much. It's like something out of the Old Testament where the people of God have been tested to see whether they will bow down before something that is false like the golden calf. And they have failed. White evangelical America, make no mistake now, as the solid bedrock supporters of molesters, of pedophiles, of these sorts of folks have switched sides. And they are no longer representing anything that is could be called moral by the traditions of any religion. And in terms of a Bible prophecy type story, these folks are now on the side of everyone that ever stood against justice and for evil. That's where we're at. There is no way to parse this or make nice about it. And, and at the same time, Masha, the other piece of it, and I'm glad that you were able to stay to talk about it, you have this marrying of the church and state. Uh, there is a piece uh, in the New York Times that talks about evangelicals having back Trump find the White House front door thrown open to them. Uh, Robert Jeffers, a pastor who's a member of Trump's in informal evangelical advisor council, has this quote, I can't look into the president's heart to know if he really personally believes these positions he's advocating or whether he thinks it's smart politics to embrace them because of strong evangelical influence in the country, he said in an interview. But frankly, I don't care. As a Christian, I'm seeing these policies embraced and enacted, and he's doing that. Right. So... We're seeing them, you know, that's the answer, right? He is advancing a political agenda that the evangelicals like. We, he has reversed LGBT rights. Um, he is, you know, he's taking the country in this extremely socially conservative direction, and it's politically expedient. And so we see, you know, the church weaponized or the church weaponizing him, uh, and women end up getting short trips, which is not news. Which is not news. And I recall a lot of people on the right, Kareem, saying that uh, Barack Obama wants to fundamentally transform America. Yeah, that was the charge they made against him. Right. Yeah. And now we are being fundamentally transformed. And look, look where the right is right now. As we've talked about, evangelicals are refusing to to actually condemn the things that Donald Trump has done over and time, time and time again. And uh, it, it is it, the hypocrisy on this again. <laughs> Every time you hear this story, it's just just un, uh, just unbelievable. But I think there's two things happening with this tweet. I think there, the, the one part of it is that he. 
he uses Twitter, as we know, to message, to communicate to his very small and tricking base, right? This is what he's doing there. And then there's the other part of this where it's a data point. It's one more thing that tells us, that's showing us, this Donald Trump is just, he stands with, a, with, a, with abusers. He doesn't stand with the abuse. It's almost as if he's projecting. Yeah. Almost, it's, it's really, he's talking about himself. Yeah. I, I want. I, I yeah. do wonder. I almost want to just, just talk to Republican women for the rest of the day yeah. to find out how are they processing that this is their party. Um, Frank Schaefer, Masha Gessen, thank you very much. Karina sticking around and still to come. The other huge story that happened on Friday. More am next. Evangelicals have failed the ultimate Their faith means nothing. Let's be clear. Make no mistake. At any time, at no time has their faith mattered. Their religion means nothing. Their faith means nothing. And what are what are we supposed to believe? The only thing I I submit to you, they've lost all faith. All faith. Nine two nine four seven seven two eight six seven. Let's one seven six one seven. Thank you for calling the Alpha Show and welcome to TruthWorks Network. Hey, Mr. Alpha, how you doing? Uh, it's the boss. Dennis, <laughs> how are you? I'm I'm doing okay. Just in here to pinch in with you. Um. You've 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 taken us over a lot of stuff, which is more of the same, um, and it just keeps riding and riding. And um, we do have a president who has not forget about a moral compass. A president who has no morals. A president who grew up steeped in the basic and fundamentals of of um, the Ku Klux Klan and fascism, and it seems to me that I I, I was very taken aback by a poll which said that in 2015. Eighty-five percent of all Republicans believed that the FBI had their back and this country's back and was an outstanding organization. And in 2018, they now believe that the FBI is is making efforts to delegitimize um, Donald Trump. And in all of this, what we see is that his message 
not only resonates with the people who support supports him, but gets to the people who support him. And if we're going to have some some radical transformation, because there is no miracle that's going to happen in the midterms in 2018, if we're going to have some radical transformation, we have got to do the same. We have got, in this country, I mean, radicals and progressives, Progressive radicals, I don't know who I'm talking about. Who who, who am I talking about? I'm not talking about the Democratic Party. Yeah. Tell me something. When you you hear them talk about both sides and the radicals on the left, who are the radicals on the left? No one has ever. I think think that in this country, we are so cut to the cloth of only recognizing a two-party system, that it has worked to our disadvantage. And when I say that, I say that it's because activists at all levels are unable to recognize who they are and where they belong to because the Democratic Party has um, for the last, I would say for the last 24 years, created friction and division within itself. It's in no better, it is in no better shape than the Republican Party. Um, it is so divided. So when you ask the question, and I, I do want to answer your question, I think that you have three separate groups that have come out of the Democratic Party, and then you have the established Democratic Party, and that is no different than what the Republicans have. The difference is that... Republican, the the four sections of the GOP, the establishment and all the three radical groups that came out of the establishment, the Tea Parties, the Freedom Caucus people, and then you have Donald Trump's people, that they have the messaging and the communications down pat. We have people who are still worried about Hillary loss rather than taking that to a public policy issue, they remain to focus on Hillary Clinton. The public policy issue there is that we have been attacked by a foreign, a hostile foreign country, and we are not addressing that specifically. If Donald Trump had not fired James Comey, we would be doing something else. And it wouldn't be about whether or not Russia interfered in our electoral process. But now what we are facing is Russia has 
totally dismantled the foundation under which democracy existed in this country. And we are not even, I mean, I haven't heard anybody in Congress, including those people who support the Mueller investigation, talking about, except for a few, I I do. Richard Palmer is one of them. He keeps hammering on Donald Trump, but he also hammers on the idea that we have an intelligence mechanism that has not produced a singular report which says this is what happened and this is what we must do to counter it. We have individual states like Ohio who just announced yesterday that they're going back to paper ballots, and there are flaws even with paper paper ballots. But we don't have an FBI and a CIA which has examined every voting machine in the states where Hillary Clinton lost, where she was winning two weeks before the election to determine whether or not those machines were hacked. Then there is a matter of gerrymandering. As long as you have Russian bots who are doing everything that they can in the public square, especially in social media, to um, to make sure that Donald Trump's message is stronger and stronger, his lies are repeated a hundred times a day so that they become truth as some people know it. Nobody's doing anything about that and promulgating new regulations, new laws, and enforcement. So there you have it, Alpha. I I, I think that we have become, excuse me, India, we have become limp-dicked, and everybody knows it. And we have become hostage to these small-minded, ignorant, lying, I mean, this is how powerful people deal with their problems. They lie. We've always known that. Unfortunately, we have one of those people who has become president of the United States. I don't hear anybody, and I'm going to tell you, Alpha, if the right people in the right places begin to call for a general strike, no consuming, no taxes, no nothing to this government, this Congress would begin to 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 work. No, they would. But we are not radical enough. We as a country we as a country, we didn't believe in democracy, and we are losing it, and so nobody gives a shit. Well, the the notion of a general strike and everybody and the right people calling for nothing to just stop everything. You see, 
that would have worked some years back, but now there is a pushback. And their pushback is always stronger than our push. They're denouncing a denouncement of any and everything we try to do comes in a repetitious ad nauseum over and over and over and over and over until they win You've got people like Schiff, like Ted Lieu, like Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi. They are still being polite because if they dropped the Democratic memo and said the hell with it in the same way that Devin Nunes dropped the Republican memo, in the same way that they that Comey dropped the email issue on Hillary Clinton, that was all rogue. But they have not they have not begun to think that it's going to take radical action all of this to an end. I vote, you know, if, if I, I would hope that they would drop the mem- just drop the pay a leaker. When when um, Donald Trump got ready to reveal his 2015 uh, tax return, which wasn't a full tax return, what did he do? He sent it to David K. Johnston. He was the leaker there. He wanted to squash the talk about releasing his tax returns by releasing a false one. That's what they do, as you always say. That is what they do. The minute he said he wasn't going to release that memo, because when when they release the memo, the Nunes memo is going to blow up in their face for real. So I'm I'm well, not sure if we don't go beyond that. And I, you know, I've been saying, and I'm really going anonymous here, but I've been saying that every American citizen who works, has the right to claim 12 dependents on their W-4 without question until it's time to file a tax return. You You can claim up to 12. And nobody can say that I'm encouraging people to do that. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that is the law. And people do it. A lot of people do do that, even though that they they are not able to legitimately claim 12 at the time that they file their return. And they do that because they want to pay their taxes the taxes that would be taken out of their paychecks later rather than forward. So what do you think are the odds 
that they that they will drop this uh, memo. Hey, he's going to send it out, but he's going to send it out so heavily redacted that. Well, that's why they need to drop it say, before he sends it out. Well, then you have a you have an issue. Then they'll dogpile on. Uh, releasing uh, classified information, and see that's the that's the downside of all of this. Democrats did not. What is the difference between? What is the difference between a clear criminal obstruction of justice and a criminal abuse of office? And releasing uh, classified information. Uh, whoever releases that classified most information of the, most is Most of the going classified information has has always been already in the newness memo. There are ten pages in the Democratic I, memo. I'm I'm not sure, and I would have researched it if I knew that I was going to be talking about it, but. Um, I was in discussion with a number of constitutional lawyers, and there were three outstanding scholars, constitutional scholars, who were saying that the, that the Constitution and the federal uh, regulations do not require the president to declassify. It requires Mike Pompeo to to declassify. Oh my god. Which is why nothing more than a, a exactly. for Trump. Exactly. Another you know, and there's no law but you know, but here's public policy. As we go through all of these things we have to raise questions about why don't we have a policy which says that certain information has to be transparent to American taxpayers. Well, I'm here to tell you like this. Believe one thing. This Justice Department ran by Beauregard Sessions will prosecute the hell out of anyone who leaks classified information. And they'll do But then nothing. you have you have a nothing. you have an administration you have an administration that's represented by Don Trump Junior and Jared Kushner who communicated directly with Julian Assange. You have a member of Congress. I think his name is Rabinovich. Maybe that's not his name, but it's kind of like that. Rabinovsky or something like that. Who met with Julian Assange. They're not going to prosecute these people. And when I say they're not going to prosecute these people... They are not going to prosecute these people. I don't care so what, what they did. If they're Republicans, they don't get prosecuted. This is my. So this was what one is of it, the. What does it take? What does it take? What does it take? Yeah. It takes you know, the Justice Department basically upholding the law. It takes a Justice Department that is not picking and choosing 
who they prosecute and not taking orders from a radical president who wants you to look the other way on their collusion, their conspiracy against America, and the obstruction of justice that this president continues to filter out. When I spoke and was harshly critical of his predecessor, it was because he should have fired Comey the day after his press conference when he came out and didn't bring charges against Hillary but gave this opinion. He should have fired Comey for lack of protocol. Why, why do you think His that he didn't system. do that? He was scared. He was afraid of what they would say about him. And just like, look, look, and, and, and I, I, you see what uh, Eric Holder is trying to do about gerrymandering now? He should have done that when he was attorney general. He should have had the full weight of the Justice Department on the asses of these states that brought about these uh, voter ID laws and the gerrymandering maps that just because you're a Democrat and you get 60% of the vote, you can only get three seats out of 15. And that is against one vote, one man, one vote, constitutional rights. This is what I mean when I was saying that you have people in the Justice Department, and you have people like the ACLU who were late to the table of defending the rights of people's ballots. He should have, Obama not only should have fired Comey when he first came out, but had he fired Comey, then all of this other, this reopening of the Clinton emails would have fallen by the wayside. You see, him accepting the holdovers in his administration, like Comey, it's not. It's, it's no. It's no big secret that these people have an idolatry to their Republican ideology. Their ideology is written in stone. They can act like they're going to be bipartisan. They can talk like they're going to be bipartisan. But then their legitimate actions show you who they really are. And that's been our downfall. The weakness of a democratic side that won't Fight fire with fire, who brings a knife to a gunfight every single time and gets gunned down. This budget, 150 something billion to defense. And I know why they went for it because they got 138 billion for domestic programs, which will never truly take effect. And well, the money will never go to where it's supposed to. And we're always, he rescinded DACA to hold it as hostage. And now he's saying, well, I'll give you uh, 1.8 million people, but you got to take this, uh, this, this 
what is it, the chain immigration policy? and Chain migration. He, uh-huh. he, wants, he wants to change the very essence of our immigration because he is sitting there with bigots like Stephen Miller, General Kelly, Gorka, all of the alt-right. And that will cut down immigration by 20 million people per year. All you got to do is save save the DACA people and and give us what we want. No. Don't do either. If that's the case, you let this March 5th deadline pull up. And then you, you basically keep track of the people that they seize and deport. Yeah, because and you, that, that, and you, that is and you, exactly what, where they're headed. Exactly. And the, Democrat, the Democrats, just like you said a couple of weeks ago, the Democrats blew it on the first shutdown. And they're blowing it on this, and I don't care how many hours Nancy Pelosi speaks on the on the House floor. Right, they blew it. They didn't blow it on the first shutdown. They blew it in October by not shut by not allowing the government to shut down in October. Mhm, mhm. You allow the government to shut down in October when Republicans held the House, Republicans held the Senate. And they couldn't keep the government open. Donald Trump was in the White House. And had you shut the government down then, you would have shut down the tax cut initiative. You would have shut down so much of it. So he retracts DACA. He already had retracted chips. So now, who does the pressure go to when 9 million children's health is in jeopardy? Who does it lean toward? And you don't get out messaged by repetitive lies that it was a Schumer shutdown when you have all the votes you need to keep the government running. All the votes they need, if they had, are Republican votes. And yet, they wouldn't shut the government down in October and stop this tax cut. Now you've got $1.5 trillion more in debt, and now they're talking about we don't have any money, and we have to attack the entitlement programs, Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. We have to put the people who are on Medicaid, we have to give them a Medicaid and work. You have to work to get Medicaid now. It's always something by these cold-hearted bastards who can't seem to see anything but a dollar in front of it. The government can do nothing unless it gives us free health care, our families free health care, and our families free, unpaid, don't have to pay it back tuition. And this is what people have to understand about Republicans. Democrats are far from perfect, far from perfect. But like I said, the lesser of two evils is evil. And when well, it just seems. It just seems to me, Alpha, that we are in 
you you said something earlier uh today about um this administration uh really is squeezing us and this is me paraphrasing what I heard you say that it really is squeezing us to stop dreaming to give up our dreams as as a country and to give in to this madman and that just i mean here's a man who gave us secrets to russia but he's using national security to refuse to tell the truth about information that he did approve to release. I mean, how crazy, how much crazier can all of this get? And I keep asking that question because um, I think there are a lot of people in this country who are walking around saying, I have no idea when is this going to end? Yeah, you know, but, and the uh, thing is that no one will beat Trump in 2020 if the Democrats keep standing for the same rancid, warmongering, neoliberal bullshit. Of course Trump can win. And we'll and we'll have a Republican um no. um Congress. Well, I don't know how many people know it. He won Michigan by point zero three percent. Less than eleven thousand votes. It'll be different this when time. Because why would it be different? Because they know him it, to be I think it will uh, be different because I think the 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 um hacking and the hackers have a really better idea about how to do it. Well, of course they do. Did you see where Ohio is going? It's going to paper ballots. Mm-hmm. Did you hear and me mention that did, earlier? I heard somebody mention it earlier. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I got it. I don't. No, I think I, I forgot where I heard it from. I heard it from somewhere else. <laughs> Before before I went on the air, I heard go, it from someone. Just go go ahead and do the smooth slide. Go on. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm just being honest. I I really don't recall. I I really don't remember. And you know, look at Pennsylvania. They didn't get the vote from the Supreme Court that they wanted. And what happens? The think tanks organize a, a campaign to impeach them all. Five Supreme Court judges. You're going to impeach because they declared your gerrymandering unconstitutional. That's what the Republican Party is about. And the lack of messaging from the Democratic Party to point out that voter suppression and gerrymandering are the only reason that they can win. They won by... 0.7% 0.7% in Wisconsin. They didn't even count 225,000 ballots 
out of the Milwaukee area, the mostly minority area. They didn't even count those ballots. That's why they wanted to stop the recount. And did you see where the governor of Wisconsin will not allow a special election because he knows Democrats will win that seat? So he's denying the people of the state an election. They cheat, steal, what by any means necessary. The people in North Carolina, I don't understand how the Supreme Court can send it, flip the, the three-judge panel and declaring that their gerrymandering is unconstitutional. They're just letters of the law that these Republicans don't care about unless it favors them. The law means nothing. Jurisprudence is dead. We can talk about about what's fair and what's right, but just keep looking. Just keep looking. I'm looking for the Supreme Court to overturn the decision in Florida, allowing the people who have the ex- Cons after they've done their time and served their to vote, they will come out where they will they're appealing that, and the Supreme Court will come down in their favor. They will recognize what their state has conjured up to keep people of color away from the polls. And in every state you walk, go by, just just go by them all. You have a concerted effort to suppress the votes of black people, Hispanic people, Asian people. So how different can it be in 2020? Well... I really believe that if we don't do something very soon, and we can't wait until November, it cannot be a November thing. It's got to be something that will bowl over on on Trump. We There's have nothing to do it on now. the ball He's he's well, nullified I, I, the Mueller investigation. He's nullified the Mueller investigation. Mueller Mueller seems to believe that when he comes with his findings, the Justice Department will issue some type of indictment for Donnie Jr. and Jared Kushner. Now. The justice was it the Justice Department that indicted uh, Manafort and uh, Gates, or will Mueller be able to indict people on his own as the special prosecutor? He should have. He and why are they talking with Trump lawyers for his testimony? 
subpoena that bitch in front of a grand jury and let him not show up. The same for Donnie Jr., the same for Jared. Why is it Mueller bringing them before a grand jury rather than sitting down and talking with them? You ain't got a damn thing. You know, I get to losing it, and I get get worked up, and it begins to uh, affect my my airflow. Let me put it like that. (laughs) I get you. Yeah. I get you. I just, I just think Alpha and that if the Dems don't drop this memo, it's done. I it's think done. it's done without them dropping the memo. I don't. I think, it, I think the news memo blew up on its own. But the mere fact that Trump is withholding it, and see, his withholding holding this memo to me is another charge of obstruction. They say they sent it through the uh, Justice Department first. Well, that's the Sessions Justice Department. And if you think that the Sessions Justice Department is going to stand up against Donald Trump, you're wrong. You see, well, I don't think, he has all the bases covered. I don't. I don't think that anyone would believe that the Justice Department would. But I also believe that radical action is the only thing that's going to break this. It's going to be people. Well, who's willing to go to jail to release this memo? Maybe in full, full fledged. You know, we can only hope that over the next week or two that Mueller's going to come up with something and it's going to force the issue of impeachment or the issue of resignation. We can only hope for no. that. No. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, then, look. Then what you do, Alpha, is you rob me of all my hope. <laughs> well, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to rob you of all your hope. I'm trying to reason with you about Okay, how about unicorns that fart glitter? How about that? It's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen because the Republicans will never bring articles of impeachment against this president. The Republicans will never, the Republican DOJ will never charge this president with obstruction of justice. You know, there's a back and forth about a sitting president can be indicted. They just need to indict him for obstruction of justice 
and conspiracy against America. The conspiracy against America. Uh, jam up people like Hope Hicks. And uh, wasn't that Lewandowski's girlfriend first? She's just getting passed around like a prison car. Yes, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> I mean, come on. It may, it, may, it may be a matter of she never gets a chance to leave the White House, so she only has uh, certain choices. <laughs> well, this is this is the quint this is the quintessential uh, rise to the top on your back because it, it, it it's you know to me it's it's just. It's no longer, it's not perplexing at all. Not perplexing at all. And the reason that you have what you have is because it's been deemed normal by the press. It's all normal by the press. Mm-hmm. The, the ridicule, the, the, Demonizing and and vilifying of a CNN has not struck a nerve to where CNN is all out anti-Trump. CNN should be pushing everything. When the news memo started to come out, CNN should have not (laughs) brought any of these Trump surrogates. And they continue to bring Trump surrogates on like, like lying maggots who simply have rotten meat that they swarm to. All of these surrogates of of defending a Republicans and Donald Trump, the the dismissive attitude of Republicans like the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and Mitch McConnell. Did you see Mitch McConnell's... uh, uh, Friend, <laughs> his, his his friend, his boy, you name it, give it a name. Uh, is um, pleaded. He's seventy-one years old. He's pleaded guilty to child sex trafficking. At isn't he the chair old. of the Republican Party for Kentucky or something? I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> Absolutely. He's the chairman of the Republican Party of Kentucky. And they have a big old picture of him standing next to Mitch the Turtle McConnell. And they both have huge smiles on his face. And he goes, hey, Mitch, is that the child pedophile that you're standing next to? See, it's always a... Uh, uh, a female assaulter over a Democrat, a pedophile over a Democrat, anything but a Democrat. And it's gotten to a point that, you know, it's getting, it's getting beyond ridiculous. It's gotten so far beyond ridiculous, it's not even funny anymore. It simply represents the decay of 
values. You know how values used to be the operative code words, the dog whistle of white? Well, not anymore. It seems to have taken a huge step backwards. So what what what, what should we expect, Alpha? We can expect that this president will dismantle our democracy and the government. When it becomes clear to Americans that this is no longer America, he will have gotten rid of the New Deal. Republicans will have gotten rid of everything that liberals and Democrats gave us. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, voting rights, civil rights, clean air, clean water. All of that is gone. You remember my statement? I'm not voting for Hillary Clinton. I was voting for all of that. And it will no longer exist. And here's the killingest part about it. There was no legislation passed to get rid of all of it. And there need not be legislation passed to bring it back. All you have to do is to, is to rescind his executive orders. How many of them has he made? Way far too many. But see, there's not that visceral vindictive, there's not that strong voice of pushback coming from the Democratic side that says, wait a minute, America, look what these mothers are doing. Look at what they've done. There's not a tracking of how many more or how worse the drinking water has become, how worse the air has become. Because Republicans control that part of the government which measures our health. The CDC is on life support. The, the State Center Department is on control. <laughs> if you want to know the, well, the, the State the Department, truth. the State Department is more than on life support. You see, going to, and I've been one. Wanting to not just point out to people this cabinet, but it's gotten so between Tillerson and uh, what's the the generals and all of it, Mulvaney and uh, Mike Pompeo. All of these people, Devos, um, Carson, Ben Carson, all of these people are incompetent to destroy the workings of government. And then the cry is going to be, government doesn't work. And the American people will be, yeah, that's right, government don't work. Yeah, let's get rid of government. As they all collect their government checks and retirement and move to a Elysium-like 
set aside space in this country. Let's leave the inner cities for the violence. The inner cities will turn into Thunderdome Barter Town. And I don't know if you know that that was the name of the town in the movie Thunderdome where they were selling radioactive water. Everything was, it was like a libertarian wet dream. There was no government. It was called for Thunderdome to settle disputes. One man, two men enter, one man leave. That's what we're headed toward. There is no rule of law. A 2,000-year-old warning about Donald Trump. Cicero, Roman statesman, 42 B.C., a nation can survive its fools and even the ambition, but it cannot survive treason within. For a traitor appears, not a traitor. He speaks in accents familiar to his victim, and he appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He worked secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of a city. He infects the body politic so it can no longer resist a murderer unless to be feared. That's Cicero. A Roman statesman, 42 B.C. And all you got to do is take Cicero off of it and and say, yeah, yeah, I wrote it. I wrote it. I thought you can apply it now. So let me. It's just so pathetic. Let me um, ask you. A question about what people need to be doing. One of the things I think I want to I want to offer something. We need to think. We need to stop thinking that radical black action is about taking the Obama. Administration, Mr. O, President Obama, and anything happened in the last um, 16 years. 16 or 8? 8, I'm sorry. Because, okay, because the, the, the failures of the Bush administration Another example of trickle down. The mere fact that this president is taking credit for the successes of where the Obama administration left off and the uh, progress that we've made despite Republican obstruction. Think about it. If Harry Reid had gotten rid of the filibuster, Think about the democratic agenda, the progressive agenda that might have taken hold. Infrastructure repair. Now, listen, the infrastructure deal that he's going to bring to us is going to be corporate 
levied in a heavy manner. It's going to be about the corporation. Corporations, the government won't have, the government will have very little to do with it. It'll all, it'll all be about profiteering and selling off public land and roads and institutions. We have absolutely no say over what's going to happen and what's about to happen to us. None. Mm-hmm. Because we couldn't face political reality. So comes all the way full circle. Come all the way back around. I suppose so, Alpha. Now I can go hide my head underneath a pillow somewhere and and try to peek out and figure out when I should come out. <laughs> well, I'm applying for my FOI card, um, firearms owners, whatever the hell it is. And um, I'm going to have to start amassing uh, an arsenal (laughs) because um, not only is the alt-right coming, the neo-Nazis, the Klan, they'll soon be marching in the streets, in the suburbs. Too many guns here in the city. And when it turns into an even fight, they run for the hills. Dennis, I got about four minutes left. <laughs> okay, thank you, Alpha. No, thank you, thank you, because um, my um, I'm um, still a little winded, and um, I guess I'll have to take it as it comes. We can't, we can't become tired. We simply can't do it. We can't somehow outsource the responsibilities to resist. We must resist until this man is out of office. As I heard one person say this. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, you're morally reprehensible, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. (laughs) I love that. I love that because that is what identifies. That is simply the essence of who this man is. You hear a lot of people talking about the, 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 his General Kelly. General Kelly, he's such a hero. He's a different man. In war. Well, he's not in war anymore. He's into the ass-kissing business. He's into the bigotry business. He's into the racist, woman-beating, minority Drubbing. He's in that business. And if you look at that White House, there's no one there with credibility. There's no one there with any 
any semblance of courage or normal. So, tell you all again. Till next week. <laughs> Until next week, good people. Um, give yourself a break. Give yourself uh, a pat on the back for putting up with all of this BS. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. Ratings are more important than the truth. Our government builds twice as many prisons and schools. It's easier to find a Big Mac than an apple. And when you find the apple, it's been genetically processed and modified. Presidents lie. Politicians trick us. Race is still an issue. So is religion. Your God doesn't exist. My God does, and he is all-loving. If you disagree with me, I'll kill you. Or even worse, argue you to death. 92% of songs on the radio are about sex. Kids don't play tag, they play twerk videos. The average person watches five hours of television a day, and it's more violence on the screen than ever before. Technology has given us everything we could ever want, and at the same time, stolen everything we really need. Pride is at an all-time high, humility an all-time low. Everybody knows everything, everybody's going somewhere, ignoring someone, blaming somebody. Not many human beings left anymore, a lot of human doings, plenty of human lingerings in the past. Until next week, people, I guess it will get a little more interesting. The nation is in a quandary. It's a mess. You've been listening to The Alpha Show. Join us next Friday night, 10 p.m. Alpha will lay it out. It's just damn politics. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. TruthWorks presents The Alpha Show. Each Friday, 10 p.m. It's Fire in the Belly Friday at TruthWorks Network. Bring your own rocks. The best of political pushback. Just America Sergeant breaking news now explosive allegations against some Chicago police officers. Sources tell CBS2 they were captured on camera stealing money and drugs. CBS2 Suzanne Lemignot with more now on the troubling investigation. Sources say the officers are assigned here at 51st and Wentworth. At least five to seven are involved. They're all members of the area central gang unit. Sources tell us the FBI conducted at least three sting operations in the past year. The officers allegedly took money and drugs from a drug dealer. Sources also say the incidents were captured on surveillance and federal search warrants were carried out on the officers' homes. 
CBS2 legal analyst Irv Miller spoke to us via FaceTime. If there were search warrants, they're looking for uh, some proceeds, cash laying around. On one occasion, sources say the team of tactical officers took nearly $20,000 from a drug dealer. What they're probably doing now is interrogating these officers, trying to find out if there's other officers involved. That basically they're saying to these officers, hey, listen, you want to cooperate with us or you want to take the fall by yourself? In a statement, a Chicago police spokesperson told us integrity and accountability are paramount to the Chicago Police Department. To that end, we cannot comment on any investigation, internal or otherwise, until or unless criminal charges are filed. Well, sources say the officers were taken in for questioning yesterday afternoon and all have been stripped of their police powers, even members of the team not involved. As the investigation continues, Erica. So how soon might we see charges in this case? Well, charges could come anywhere from 24 to 48 hours, Erica. Usually the feds, according to Irv Miller, our analyst, he says usually they take about 24 hours, but sometimes up to 48. All right, Suzanne.